Hi, and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. My name is Mary Jo McGuire, owner of MJ Nutrition. I have a degree and master's in nutritional science, and I'm studying to be a nutritional therapist also. I work with women every day who want to lose weight, improve their relationship with food, hack their hormones, regulate their cycle, restore their periods, learn about nutrition for hormonal balance, help women come off the pill, and lots more. This podcast will be a place to talk about all things female health related, from periods, the pill, weight loss, diets, fertility, acne, PMS, and lots, lots more. I hope this platform to be educational and empowering so women can take charge of their health, their hormones, so they can feel and look their best at all stages. Hi and welcome to episode 19 of the Female Health Podcast. I'm Mary Jo, your host, and I'm back today with another episode. Um, So firstly, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you again to everyone who's listened to the episode so far and for all the lovely feedback, for sharing it, for leaving comments and just for letting me know that you're enjoying them and that you're getting something from them. I'm just so glad that people are getting something from them really and that they're learning something new that's the purpose of why I decided to do this podcast so people can start to get some more knowledge and feel more empowered about their health their hormones their bodies and so really I'm delighted my mission is complete when I'm doing that so um I'm going to keep doing it anyway because I feel there's so much more um knowledge to be shared around this topic and I have some great guests coming up soon as well that is going to that are going to be so um, informative and give you some more information around all these kind of topics um, that I'd love to talk about. But uh, this week I'm chatting about common misconceptions and just kind of some myths around periods and hormones. So these are things that I see come up on Instagram and in with my own clients and things like that. So I just thought I'd do a little bit of an episode to cover these and kind of make it a little bit more clearer um, and like just so you have an understanding um, of some of the, the common things that come up and yeah so we'll get started and the first one is I have discussed this and I think it was in the PMS episode but it was about painful periods so number one is um, painful periods are not normal so I'm talking about painful period periods to the extent where you literally have to call in sick from work you are doubled over with cramps and nausea and you you're you're just completely floored for the whole day or two or the length of your cycle depending um that's the kind of painful periods I'm talking about so like you will feel a little bit of cramping and that's normal but that cramping should not debilitate you or affect you or even require strong painkillers like that would be a sign that there's a lot of inflammation going on if you're requiring painkillers to get you through so um yeah painful periods are not normal and when you have painful periods it's a sign of basically a hormonal imbalance so I'm going to talk about what where that comes from so I do talk about ovulation a lot in in the podcast episodes but just for anyone who hasn't heard them before or is unsure of what ovulation is Ovulation is the process where the the follicles on the ovaries are kind of in a race to um, develop, basically, or release an egg from their ovaries. And one of them finally um, releases the egg when they reach the finish point. Um, and that's like the winner. And when that's released, it produces, um, those follicles are producing estrogen up until that point. And then once that 
one egg is released, progesterone is then um, produced. So what happens is that follicle that the egg has been released from forms what's called a corpus luteum and the corpus luteum then um, makes progesterone. So they're the two hormones, estrogen and progesterone that are made as a result of ovulation. Now, the issue is that when you've got painful periods, one, you're either not perhaps ovulating in the first place. And if you're not ovulating, you are um, not making any of that progesterone but you can still have a bleed and it's what's called an anovulatory cycle. So those, remember I was saying the follicles that are building up towards the, to release one egg, there's producing estrogen that whole time. And estrogen thickens the uterine lining and that will eventually shed away. So you're still technically getting a bleed, but you haven't had a cycle because you haven't gone through the, um, release of an egg from the ovary and you haven't made the corpus luteum and you haven't made that progesterone which is what's all involved in a full menstrual cycle so an anovulatory cycle is when that all of that doesn't occur you've just made estrogen so these types of cycles wouldn't typically be very they could be it's essentially you've had what's called a long follicular phase and this would be very painful and um because you haven't made that progesterone and progesterone is your pro chill soothing calming hormone so this is what protects us against that estrogen and shields us from the pain and the uh, the cramping that we get so the more progesterone that you have then the less in intense your period pain will be. So uh, if you're getting really intense period cramps, it would be a good sign or a good, um, you, you would possibly be thinking you didn't ovulate that month for one, that'd be one thing that could have occurred, okay? The other thing is that you have ovulated, but for some reason you have got either too much estrogen and too little progesterone or and or that makes sense so you have um too uh, much estrogen but and your your progesterone is just isn't enough to balance that out for you um so the reason that your progesterone that might happen with progesterone is stress for one thing uh, stress is basically steals your progesterone so even if you do manage to ovulate you may not have just made enough progesterone or it's getting stolen because there's a lot of stress being put on the body. And some of those stresses could be um, a lot of low carb diet or not eating enough or not sleeping or psychological stresses. So um, basically painful periods are when there is an imbalance in your hormones, too much estrogen or too, or too little progesterone. So Factors that can give rise to too much estrogen would be you're not basically removing the estrogen from the body or eliminating it. So we want to be able to process and use up our hormones, but get rid of them as well. We don't want them hanging about in the body because when they hang about, that's when they can cause issues. So um, too much estrogen or high levels of estrogen signs of that would be painful periods, but also sore breasts, like really swollen, tender breasts, um, bloating. A lot of bloating would be a good sign. A good sign that you've got high levels of estrogen, and then a lot of like a depression, irritable, um, low mood would be associated with that as well. Um, so there are common signs that your estrogen would be quite high. So 
first thing when you want to look at your periods and if they're really, really painful and trying to look at ways of managing that, I'd firstly look if you've got those symptoms. And if you do, then we want to look at how to remove that excess estrogen. So removing that excess estrogen, the first thing would be removing alcohol from your diet or at least reducing it. So alcohol is processed by the liver and uh, eliminated and detoxified by the liver. So it's given priority whenever we drink alcohol and because it's deemed as a toxin by the body. Estrogen is also removed and, and detoxified and processed in the liver but it won't be processed as um, or being, be made a priority uh, when we have alcohol in the blood. So uh, if you're having, the, if there is too much alcohol, we're going to eliminate the alcohol, but then there'll be excess estrogen built up as a result. Other factors that can affect estrogen are um, basically poor liver health. So like making sure that you're eating lots of green leafy vegetables, and cruciferous vegetables. These really support the liver to detoxify and process um, hormones. So it's really important that you're doing that and also for the gut because the gut then is also involved in processing and eliminating the estrogen from the body. So it's eliminated through your stool. So it's really important that the liver and the gut health are being looked after. So eating high fiber diet to help um, remove that. So basically think about it this way fiber will help bind the estrogen in the stool and remove it from the body so you're eliminating it so high fiber is really important so when i say high fiber i'm talking about fruits vegetables legumes pulses nuts seeds things like that whole grains they're going to be really important to have in quite a variety in your diet and um, you're aiming you're ideally looking for 30 grams per day of uh, fiber in your diet and then that's really going to help with the removal of estrogen from the body as well and basically an anti-inflammatory diet because that's going to support the gut health as well so lots of um good healthy fats uh, avocados olive oil some nuts and seeds coconut oil oily fish should be really important as well and they'll be really helpful for supporting your gut health which is again going to support the removal of estrogen from the body and um, not having too much endocrine disruptors so these can be found in a lot of chemicals like that we use and put on our skin um, and even plastics and things like that so these can mimic or just disrupt the chemical the hormone imbalance in the body um, and they can basically lead to elevated levels of estrogen sorry as well and um, so not having too much exposure to those as that would be important um, but they would be the main thing definitely reducing your alcohol intake adding more fiber to your diet and green leafy vegetables and supporting the gut with fiber and anti-inflammatory anti foods that, that would definitely be the the first area to look at when trying to reduce high levels of estrogen that might be leading causing you to have those painful periods then the other thing would be looking at making enough progesterone so progesterone as i say is the pro chill or soothing and anti-anxiety hormone that you want to have as much of as possible and um, so this is made as i say from ovulation and when you do ovulate you'll make this but you want to make sure you're keeping it as well so it's what it's a tricky hormone to make and it's also a tricky hormone to keep but it's worth it when you put in the effort so um we the first thing is lowering stress on the body so ensuring that you're eating nutritious food to support your body cope with stress when i say that i mean making sure you're eating healthy fats and protein with every meal and also not 
cutting out carbohydrates from your diet. So particularly ensuring you're eating root vegetables and starchy carbohydrates. So these are going to be very nourishing and really help soothe your nervous system. When your nervous system then is feeling calm and regulated, then you're, you'll keep your progesterone. You're not in a state of stress, basically. Because um, if the body is in a state of stress, it's going to have to steal that progesterone to make more cortisol. Um, so cortisol is your stress hormone and it, it'll need more of that. So unfortunately, stress has a real knock-on effect on your hormones and it's going to have a knock-on effect on your progesterone. So you don't want to be asking too much of your body because it's going to take then it take it from your take the progesterone and bring your levels down um, and then adding magnesium um, foods to your diet so dark leafy greens nut seeds dark chocolate and these are really good sources of magnesium and magnesium is great because it helps to manufacture and make progesterone but it also soothes your nervous system calms that nervous system response and your what's called a hypothalamic um hypothalamus pituitary and adrenal axis okay and that is what basically controls and commands your nervous system so that uh, suits that whole system it lowers your cortisol requirements and so it's really good to have these foods in your diet and perhaps adding in a magnesium supplement um, and making sure that the magnesium supplement that you're having is an absorbable form so there's a lot of them out there like oxide that there's no point in taking that you're really not getting anything from that Uh, you're not absorbing it and using it properly whereas a form like citrate or glycinate is much more readily and bioavailable by the body and uses it more efficiently and that you're getting much bang more bang for your buck essentially when you take that type of supplement of magnesium so this will help to soothe your nervous system and make more progesterone so this is really really helpful for painful periods and but also reducing the anxiety that you may feel around the time of your period a few days before your period some women can really feel anxious um and it also can help just even reduce the cramps as well because magnesium is a muscle relaxant so the uterus is a muscle so it'll also help to soothe those cramps in and reduce the spasms um in the uterus to reduce those cramps but overall basically it's balancing your hormones out because you're making more progesterone and so the more of this you have the better your periods are going to be they're going to be less painful and less heavy so yeah that's really what you want to be doing with that and also ensuring you're getting good sleep and because if you're not getting good sleep this is a stress on the body and it's going to have to make more cortisol and that's going to then steal more progesterone from you. So uh, sleep is a really important lifestyle factor. So when it comes to keeping your progesterone, it's really lifestyle that's more important, most important anyway, and ensuring that you are nourishing your body well and definitely getting those root veggies and starchy carbohydrates in your diet, like even oats and potatoes. They're really, really nourishing foods um, that can help ground you, I suppose, and calm that nervous system and keep it more relaxed and steady. So that's misconception number one, that periods need to be painful or are meant to be painful. They really are not. We should be able to get our period and go about our lives. Yes, we're going to be a little bit more fatigued and that's absolutely fine. We are bleeding essentially. Like I did say this to a friend before, if your arm was bleeding, you know, you wouldn't be expecting the same from your body. Like you wouldn't be putting yourself through intense exercise and you know, late, late nights and things like that, like you are bleeding from your body. So it is an energy draining process in itself. 
but the painful periods don't have to be something we put up with every single month and you'll just feel a little bit more tired it is important to rest and take it a little bit easier and nourish yourself more but it's definitely doesn't have to be where you're doubled up with cramps you can't go to work you can't play any sort of sport or you can't do any sort of exercise and you're just you dread it coming around because of the impact it has on your um your whole the whole few days that is not what it should be like so um I understand this may be a shock to some people because they just go through this every single month and think they have to. If this is the case, really look at things like the symptoms that you're getting as well, like what other symptoms you might be having. Are you maybe really anxious? That could be a sign of the um, low progesterone or are your breasts really sore and tender? That could be a sign of high estrogen. Um, are your periods really, really, really heavy? That again would be a sign of high levels of estrogen and low progesterone. So having a look at these things in combination and seeing maybe well what kind of hormonal imbalance is there in most cases it's not enough progesterone because it is quite a hard hormone to make so anything that you can do to lower your stress and to get more magnesium into your diet and maybe supplement can be really really beneficial so the second misconception then is uh that a long cycle is normal. So a few people have come to me and their GP or doctor has told them that cycles over 35 to 40 days are, they're fine, they're normal. And that isn't the case. A cycle that's between 25, 26 days to 35 days is a normal cycle. But if you're outside that, say 35 days or more, that would be considered an irregular cycle. And in most, in that mostly would indicate that you haven't ovulated that month and you've had what again is a called an anovulatory cycle. So you've had a, just a really, really long follicular phase. You haven't made any progesterone and then your um, uterus or the uterine lining has just, is just shedding, but you haven't gone through the actual cycle. Um, so that's something to be aware of. If your cycles are longer than that quite frequently, then that would be you know, an indicator that there's something going on and perhaps to get a diagnosis of either a thyroid condition or PCOS and um, because long cycles like that are not normal and it's a sign you're not ovulating and if you're not ovulating there's something going on. Now having an ovulatory cycles a few times in a woman's lifetime is, or in a person's lifetime is absolutely fine and it's normal and uh, we'll all go through a point where we don't ovulate every single month and um, because of certain stressors on the body you know I think we can all recall if we're sick for example and um, or going through exams or something like that that's going on in your life it can impact your cycle and you may notice oh I didn't get a period this month or I'm just much later and that is most likely due to some sort of stress on the body whether it's physical or psychological However, if this is happening all of the time and your cycles frequently are longer than 35 days, that would be an indicator that there is um, an issue there with you ovulating and you want to find out what that is. So you want to be going to get your bloods checked for PCOS and or your thyroid, especially, um, and just getting a complete hormonal profile um, done to see what's going on with that. And um, so, yeah, that's a misconception, too, that I have seen that, you know, just because um yeah, that just because it, you've been told in a long cycle like that is normal, it's actually something to to look into further. So 35 days or more would be um, a kind of a, a red flag to just check out things and see what's going on. It doesn't mean there's anything serious. It just means that there's a hormonal imbalance possibly and you just need to figure out why you're not ovulating. Um, and that's 
the most important part about your cycle is the ovulation because as I've said before it is the only way you make those hormones estrogen and progesterone and um, well progesterone specifically um, and that is so so important to make because we don't want to have anxiety we don't want to have painful periods or we don't want to have heavy periods and we don't want to have severe bloating and mood swings and things like that so that progesterone is going to protect you from all of that kind of thing so definitely getting to the bottom of why you're not ovulating is um, an important thing to look out for and the the just because you have a period or have a bleed more so doesn't mean you've actually ovulated so i hope i've explained that okay about the anovulatory cycles it's basically the uterine lining is shedding the estrogen that has been built up but there's no progesterone being made there and that's what's needed for a whole cycle so second myth there really is that you know a, a cycle longer than 35 days is not really normal and you, just because you have a bleed does not mean you've actually ovulated that month so the third one, I, I'm pretty sure you're probably sick of me saying this one, but I'm just going to say it in case there's any new listeners or anyone who is unclear about it. But um, pill bleeds are not the same as period bleeds. So the pill, um, what it does for purposes of contraception, and it's a really effective contraception. It stops your, um, you it stops your body from ovulating, and as a result, then you don't make any of your own hormones, and then you just got a flat line of hormones and being um ingested through the the drugs that you're taking. So you're taking synthetic estrogen and and synthetic progestin, which is completely different to your own progesterone. So some common side side effects for people on the pill. This does not go for everyone. And it depends on the pill that you're on as well, but you can feel a lot more anxious and low in mood and just not yourself because you're not making your own progesterone. And progesterone, as I've said, is one of those hormones that just makes you feel a lot better, a lot more calmer, grounded, chilled out and um, suits a lot of those nasty kind of symptoms that you may be feeling. But um, the pill, unfortunately, doesn't have that in it. And um, some women can really notice that being taken away when they go on it after a while and when they come back off it they can really notice themselves feeling better again um, not all pills though will have the same effect and every woman will be different as well and that's important to, to um, be considered um, but pill bleeds are not the same as uh, period bleeds so the period is when you have ebbs and flows essentially in your cycle you're going up and down with different levels of hormones at different stages of the cycle with the pill, it's flatlined. It's completely the same uh, throughout the whole month. And then you, when you take your break, or if you do take your break now, you'll get a withdrawal bleed. So it's just the hormones in the drug have just, um, you're just getting a withdrawal from that and the uterus is shedding. Um, but it's not the bleed that you would get from your hormones that are going up and down and producing the estrogen and progesterone and releasing it out from the ovary um so it's just important to be aware of that um if you're not aware of it already um and i suppose when it comes to the pill the issue with the pill is that it's given for certain conditions like PCOS and painful periods and things like that which are not really getting to any sort of root cause and you're not when you come off that pill that issue unfortunately will still be there so I encourage I suppose if you do have those issues to talk about it more or look for, for further help to try and get to the root cause instead of going on the pill and managing it better because PCOS can be managed through your diet your lifestyle and um, as can period pains be managed through diet and lifestyle and um, 
and hypothalamic amenorrhea like that is loss of a period for more than six months and giving someone the pill for that is not going to regulate your cycle it's just getting a withdrawal bleed so and um, that is the issue that I have with the pill is that it's not being given for the right in the right um circumstances I suppose it's for as a contraception though I have absolutely no issue with it at all I have no issue with anyone going on the pill for that reason I also have no issue with someone going on it once they know what it's doing so if someone knows that it's stopping them from ovulating and they're going to have those issues when they come off the pill like PCOS that's absolutely fine if they choose to do so and um, I suppose I just want to make sure people are aware of that because so many people come to me haven't come off it I mean like I wish I knew that because now I'm I'm trying to conceive and I still haven't got a regular period for two years for example and this can happen so so often and um, and that's the issue that I have with it so just to be aware of that uh, it's not going to regulate your cycle because it's not the same as a real cycle it's stopping your own hormone production um, and that's the issue about the pill but um summary of that pill bleeds are not the same as period bleeds and I will leave it at that because I have talked about that in a lot of episodes before and then the next thing I'm going to talk about is a little bit more around nutrition and diets and things like that so so often I have seen women and come to me thinking that they need to go low carb or low fat in order to lose weight and regulate their hormones and sort out their PCOS and this is just so it's just not true and it, it's not required. So low, when I say going low carb, I mean that I mean, cutting out carbs completely or just having one carb meal per day. Like that is seriously stressful on the body. So to understand this, every single um, our body needs sugar in order to function. All our cells require sugar to function and carbohydrates are broken down into sugars. Um, if we're not eating them, we're going to have to get them from somewhere else. We're going to have to get them from our own body. Then we'll have to make it ourselves in a process called gluconeogenesis and that occurs in the liver. And that can happen and it's okay for the body to go through this now and again. Um, our, our body's able to cope with some small elements of stress. It's, it's quite resilient. However, if we're doing this over... A long period of time and I'm talking about maybe throughout a year maybe three months plus this can be and this is like there's no set number on that but this can be extremely stressful on the body because it's having to use up its own body stores to make energy for itself it's kind of like why would you do that to your body when you can get it from food you know when we can eat carbohydrates the body's kind of like why is she doing this to me why are they doing this to me um give me energy from I, I don't want to have to make this all the time myself because that process of gluconeogenesis is quite stressful on the body it requires more cortisol the result of this is and people who go on low carb diets for long periods of time or extended periods of time start to notice symptoms like hair loss more constipation and um, the loss of their cycle is really common um, inability to concentrate and then slow thyroid or low thyroid output and low thyroid function. And this is as a result of doing this for a long period of time. So the body will be OK, you know, at early days and you may start to feel actually, you know, I feel good enough. And um, at the beginning, when you go low carb, you're most likely losing a bit of water weight and maybe you're using up a bit of fat stores as well after a bit of time. However, you're kicking the can further down the road when it comes to regulating a cycle or your PCOS or even weight loss, because 
your body is going to start to feel just crap if you have to do this for an extended period of time. And when you do introduce carbs again, the body will start to gain a little bit more weight again as a result. So um, it's just not, it, don't, I suppose, you don't have to go through that whole process. Carbohydrates are not bad. There's nothing wrong with carbohydrates. They're such a nutritious source of fuel. Um, and all of our cells need that fuel to function. It's like running a car without any gas. Um, it just doesn't optimi- function optimally at all. Um, it'll get by for a little bit, but it won't, uh, in the long run, you're doing more damage. So I'd really say low carb is not the way to go. Um, and it's important when we talk about carbohydrates, that context is key. So when I'm talking about carbohydrates that we want to have in the diet, I'm talking about those from, say, root vegetables and starchy vegetables like potatoes are a really good source of energy, high in vitamin C as well, and some other vitamins and minerals in there. Um, sweet potatoes are another really nutritious food, high in vitamin um, A and vitamin C and loads of other nutri- nu- nutrients in there. Uh, butternut squash, then carrots, turnips beetroot rat all of those are all of those colorful vegetables are so so nutritious and they're source of energy for the body um, and these are the ones i was talking about they're really supportive of grounding the nervous system because these they prevent the body basically needing to make more cortisol to keep it functioning and running cortisol cortisol is your stress hormone that is made we make more of that when the body is under pressure and like needing to function on something else and so instead of having to do that and having to make the body use cortisol just give it some carbohydrates eat those carbohydrates like and then add in like oats and rice and other grains and things like that and these are going to just really nourish and calm your nervous system fuel your body make you feel a lot more satiated you're just going to feel so cranky and hungry on a low carb diet and eventually you will cave in and then reach for the more less or more on nutrition less nutritious carbohydrates like chocolate and sweets and cakes and pastries and these are the ones I suppose where carbs get the bad name from these are the ones that have less nutrients in them they're more high in sugar high in refined sugar and these can lead to weight gain when eaten in excess and they have little nutrients in them so we don't want to be having too much of them in the diet they're fine to have on occasion but if you want to go and reduce something from your diet reduce those kind of foods but don't reduce potatoes or rice or even pasta or um all the other root vegetables that i mentioned there they're the types of food that are so supportive of grounding your nervous system supporting a calmer environment for the body the body basically is like, oh, finally, I feel relaxed. I feel calm. I don't have to make more stress hormones to run her anymore. She's good. Uh, I can, you know, grow back more hair again right, where you wanted to grow um, around your, your because like hair loss around the temples and even hair loss just in general is a sign that your your body is completely stressed out and you start to notice more regular bowel movements again your thyroid feels better you'll get more energy like these are why would we not want to feel like this think about it like we want to feel more energized it's just a vital sign of health when you feel energized you can get up in the morning you can go you can go about your day do what you have to do exercise and perform well do your study or your work well whatever you're doing because when you go low carbs that's actually going to impact on so much of those normal day-to-day activities you'll wake up feeling more groggy 
um, you won't have the same ability to concentrate. Your performance won't be as good in exercise because you're just not fueling the body properly. So yeah, when it comes to um, hormones and diets, don't go low carb. Low carb is not um, not supportive of a healthy metabolism and healthy hormones. And um, so that's really, really important. So I know some of you might be thinking, but I thought I think I need to go low carbs for my PCOS. And no, you don't have to. What you could do is have one meal maybe that has a low carb, but the rest of your meal have carbohydrates. And um, so have maybe one meal, like the morning meal could have just a little bit of fruit and then some protein and fats. Um, and then the next two meals that you have would have more starchy carbohydrates, like your root veg or your grains, um, and your dinner would be the same. So that's important to be aware of. Like going low carb does not mean and cutting out them completely and for PCOS you don't have to cut out carbs completely because that's what's going to put more stress in your body and cortisol is a driver of PCOS as well so it's important you're not adding fuel to the fire and kicking the can further down the road the same goes for fats low fat diets are not uh, supportive of hormones because fats and cholesterol are what make and um make our hormones estrogen and progesterone and store our hormones so again look I see this very very often um, and and the first thing I look at really is when there's issues with hormones what what's your carb and fat intake like most likely one or the other is a bit off so it's important that you're getting those good fats and, and just enough fat in your diet to um support those hormone productions and store those hormones and um, so Again, I've listed some fat sources before, but really important you're getting those. And they'll also have the benefit of being anti-inflammatory and supporting the gut as well. So definitely don't go low carb or low fat. And um, you want to have a balance of protein, carbohydrates and fats on your plate. And that's going to keep you satiated and ideally keep you eating every at intervals of, you know, three to four hours um, that where you're not hungry and you don't need to be grazing or snacking in between as much because you feel properly fueled and satiated in between your meals. That's ideally the way you want to be eating. So having those three macronutrients at each serve at each meal is going to be extremely supportive of everything really in, in terms of your energy and weight loss and hormone support. So that's that myth really, or that misconception that low carbs and low fat are required for weight loss or hormone imbalance or PCOS because no, they're not. And finally, I'm going to talk just a little bit about exercise. So um, exercise, as we know, really important and it helps um, reduce inflammation and inflammation is, you know, a driver of insulin resistance and it's um can lead to an, a more active immune system. So we don't want too much inflammation in the body. So a moderate level of exercise is really, really important for that. However, note that I said moderate. So high levels of exercise is actually a stress on the body. It's going to put stress on the body and the body will start to make more hormones like cortisol. Again, I keep bringing it back to that, but that cortisol is going to put um, pressure on your body and take away that progesterone and you're going to feel the effects of that. So high exercise levels or doing a lot of exercise can actually be more harm than good. So people may sit, come to me and say, oh, I exercise seven days a week, um, but I feel really, really tired and, you know, my hair is falling out and, you know, I'm not getting a period that often. Um, and I'd be like, you're exercising seven days a week, like you're putting so much stress on your body. It's not able to cope with that. And so the effects of high exercise are some of those things. You're starting to um, 
you're, you know, you'd have to be eating a huge amount of calories to cope with, say, doing a lot of those exercises. So if you are perhaps an athlete that's doing seven days a week, that's absolutely, I can understand that's possible for you or you have to do that, but you're most likely have a nutritionist or dietitian or someone working with you that's helping you um, match that exercise need with a suitable amount of calories for you. Um, and that's most hopefully that you're you will be doing that if you're an athlete or someone who's doing the high levels of exercise but a lot of people who do that level of exercise may not have that support and eat that amount of calories to support their that exercise demands or the demands of that, that that's putting on the body so certainly I would say reducing the exercise if you're doing high levels of exercise and certainly upping your calories to support that because it, that is a huge amount of stress on your body. Your hypothalamus is your, your command center for your hormones. And that's essentially saying, okay, I am doing far too much right now. There's no way in hell I can hold, have a baby right now. And even if you don't want to get pregnant or not, what's going to happen is a hypothalamus is going to stop making those hormones that tell your body to ovulate. So it's not going to have a baby, but you're also then not going to have a period because of that. So it has a lot an impact on your cycle. It has an impact, obviously, on your energy levels. You'll start to feel uh, more cranky. Uh, you can get those symptoms like the hair loss, more constipation, things like that. So high levels of exercise are more can be more harmful than good. So I'd really get you to be reflective and like think about how much you're actually doing and are you supporting your body to cope with the amount that you're doing? Are you sleeping well enough and are you eating well enough? So if you are doing maybe a lot of exercise you really need to be eating plenty of carbohydrates carbohydrates are what's going to help you perform and recover and fuel you for that exercise and you also need to be recovering with enough protein as well um hit exercise sessions are extremely stressful on the body so if you've got any sort of hormonal issues particularly like the likes of hypothalamic amenorrhea or stressed um pcos or adrenal pcos um HIIT sessions can be very, very stressful on the body. And um, they're designed for that to stress it out and to burn fat um, and to utilize those, those fuel stores quickly. However, it's releasing a lot of cortisol and adrenaline from the body. And a lot of people can do these sessions fasted, which is a double whammy of stress. So going into a session with no fuel and then doing a HIIT session, it's just a recipe for putting your body through so much stress and putting your hormones through so much stress so uh, if you've got any sort of issues with that that's definitely not something to do for me um with like my history with stress pcos and also um, my thyroid fasted exercise and over exercising is just a recipe for disaster i definitely wouldn't be able to do that so if i'm ever exercising in the morning um i would also always have some a really big meal say the night before or a snack the night before so that could be um overnight oats with fruit and some um with, with milk or protein powder or something like that or i would ha i would have something before i go in the morning like a, a banana on rice cakes with uh, peanut butter or something like that so that would be a high carbohydrate meal that was gonna or a snack that's gonna refuel me or sorry not refuel me fuel me and help me to do that exercise whatever it is and um, but I, yeah that's essentially you want to be having something like that before an exercise session so you're not going fasted into that session and putting more stress on your body 
because that's essentially what you're doing in that in that instance so I hope that makes sense around the exercise standpoint it's not that exercise is bad because it really is and it's really important to do enough exercise and help reduce inflammation in the body and particularly with PCOS resistance or strength training is so so beneficial it's like one of the most effective things that you can do for your PCOS because it sensitizes your muscles to insulin and reduces higher levels of insulin in the blood which will then reduce a lot of your PCOS symptoms so those types of exercises sorry are really helpful but it's um prolonged or a lot of exercise and hit sessions on the regular plus maybe doing them fasted that can have a long-term damage on the body put long-term damage on your body it this is what can maybe give rise to the likes of hypothalamic amenorrhea loss of your menstrual cycle for long periods of time and it does occur in athletes a lot because of the high levels of exercise that they have to do and um perhaps maybe not eating enough calories because they need to be in a certain weight to compete. Um, so that that's why that has um, it's occurred a lot in those um, in that population. So it's really important that you're aware of this because uh, sometimes you think, you oh, I'm exercising seven days a week. I'm doing really good work. However, that can you'll start to notice the effects of that fairly quickly on your body. You'll just feel, not feel yourself. You'll be a lot more stressed. And these signs of stress can come up in various different ways but they'll manifest in some form and tell your body that something's off there are signals to your body that you're not fueling yourself well enough and that there's something off and you're putting too much stress on the body so they're my little quick summary or um misconceptions that I see quite a lot um so I hope I covered those myths so number one painful periods don't have to be periods don't have to be painful sorry and number two is that just because you bleed doesn't mean you've ovulated and long cycles are not normal so long cycles above 35 days are not normal number three pill bleeds are not the same as period bleeds at uh, number four low carb diets and or low fat diets are not required to support your hormones and um, you need to eat carbs and you need to eat fats to support your hormones and you can lose weight as well by eating carbs and fats it's not about the macronutrient like it's important you really need to be eating those macronutrients and um, to support you can lose weight though by eating those it's more about how much you're eating and what types that you're eating that's the important thing and number five not doing too much exercise so too much exercise can actually be more harmful than beneficial so yeah they're the common things I see quite a lot with um people that come to me and work with me and also I see people asking these questions and I just thought I'd do a quick um and how quick that was but do a quick uh, chat about those and talk through them and hopefully that's helpful for you because I think they're important things to realize because you don't have to be going through those painful periods and you don't have to be going through um low carb diets all your life and like if you're if you go through low carb diets you'll be if you've done this before you'll know it's a cycle you go off them you go back on them again and then oh I remember I lost weight and that low carb diet I'll do it again but it's a cycle so you you'll never come off that because your body needs carbohydrates and you'll put the weight back on again it's not a long-term solution for weight loss unfortunately we need carbohydrates in the diet so um cutting them out is not the way to go because you'll just you'll end up coming back to it and perhaps binging or overeating on more um processed and less nutritious carbohydrate sources like sweets and sugary foods and things like that and and um, the exercise topic is an important one because yeah like a lot of people think that they need to be doing high levels of exercise to um to lose weight it can actually be 
prolonging their weight loss progress because the exercise you're doing so much the body is in a state of stress and it's actually starting to store fat because it's like okay I'm doing so much I cannot like there's something wrong right now I'm so stressed and I've talked about this before when you're in that state of stress the body may, might feel it's in danger so it holds on to its its fat stores because it might I need them to keep me going through danger zones or whatever so it's it's not in a, it's in a place of fear rather than abundance you want the body to be feeling abundant so that it can use up its fuel stores and you know not be putting too much pressure on it and that's so it can burn its energy and burn burn the fat and then you'll have that healthy lean body weight that you want and um, or the healthy body weight that, you, that you're striving for but when you're exercising to such a high level you're actually it's kind of could be counterproductive you'll end up maybe storing more fat because the body is starting to feel in a state of stress so um i hope this explained things clear enough for you and um hope you understand this but um any questions at all you can check out my instagram page and there will definitely be some content around this but also you can send me a message as well and i'm happy to have a chat with you about anything that i went through there today um, and you can also work with me one to one as well if you have any of these issues and want to kind of get to the root of them, because I know um, with hypothalamic amenorrhea or PCOS particularly, and then the hormonal imbalances that can occur with painful irregular periods, it can be really hard to know where to start. There's so much conflicting information out there. Um, so having someone um, to support you with that and um, that has experience with it personally but also has the science and nutrition background to help you with it as well can be really really helpful but um thank you so much again for listening to all the episodes and if you enjoyed this one please leave review and share it and i will be back next week with another episode thanks a million